This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, my name is Paul Guinan. I'm the manager of market risk and securities lending for RMA. I'm joined today by Jim Clark of Clark Consulting and former professor of finance at Villanova University. Thank you for joining me, Jim. In your, uh, in your work and interaction with community banks, what are the major concerns of regulators related to balance sheet management? Uh, Paul, I see um, uh, both in my consulting business, I work with community banks on, on uh, market risk issues and on strategic planning. And I'm also on the board of a couple of community banks, <clears throat> so I see it in both, in, in, with both of my hats, uh, the issues. Number one uh, is probably this credit risk. Uh, that has surfaced in the last two years, uh, and it's because we are eight years now in nine years into an expansion in the business cycle. Um, the um, the second issue <coughs> that they are, have gotten concerned about in the last year is liquidity risk, um, and they're they they're seeing the same data I'm seeing. Uh, if you look at call reports, you can see bank loan to asset ratios are rising over the last two to three years because loan demand's been decent uh, and loan to deposit ratios are increasing. Examiners see it, I see it, so it, it's on their radar. And the third one has been on their radar for the last three years. I mean, the third one is interest rate risk. Uh, the Fed began raising rates December of 2015. Uh, they moved them once in 15. They moved them once in 16. And now they've moved them twice in 17, March and June. Uh, at some point, we're going to see more aggressive deposit pricing, and that's the concern of the regulators. Thank you, Jim. Let's discuss liquidity risk. Short-term interest rates remain historically low, and purchasing liquidity is relatively cheap. So we've heard that examiners are still concerned. What are your thoughts on the concerns that examiners still have despite this environment? Uh, there's, uh, Paul, there's a number of issues. Um, one issue is this. We are nine, uh, 98 months into an expansion. Uh, when you're 98 months into expansion, you don't take liquidity risk if you're smart. Uh, and bankers are pretty uh, alert on this. The reason that you're taking liquidity risk today is because we've never had uh, 98 months into an expansion and interest rates at the level they're at, at 125 basis points. This is just, you can't find any precedence for this. Uh, go back to the last peak in the cycle, which would have been to the summer of 2007, short-term interest rates were five and a quarter. Uh, go to the one before that, which would have been the fourth quarter of 2000, uh, uh, the Fed funds rate was 650. So we, we've never experienced this before. Uh, in, those, in those past periods, you'd be very cautious with liquidity risk. Uh, today, it's hard to get any banker to take it serious because they, they, can, they keep telling you, what's the big deal? I, if I need liquidity, I can buy it cheap. Um, the two other issues examiners are concerned about, given that attitude, is number one, uh, is, is surge deposits. That, that's the, the issue. If you're watching balance sheets and looking at call report data, you can see that loan-to-asset ratios are rising in every peer group. Uh, Loan-to-deposit is rising in every peer group. Well, if they're moving up, investment portfolios have to be declining. Uh, liquidity is declining. The, um, so what, what the examiner is concerned about is this. Uh, we're, we're limiting our liquidity at a point where we have to be concerned of what has happened over the last eight years. And the, and the, the, the major events happened 2008-2009. 
it's estimated about $2.5 trillion in new money came on the bank balance sheets. And, you know, you ask yourself, where did it come from? Well, obviously it came from Vanguard, Fidelity, Putnam. It came from the investment companies as people panicked over the financial crisis. Um, some of that money has gone back to the investment companies. Surely if it came out of the stock market, it's back. But what people are missing is, and I don't think examiners are missing it, and I'm not missing it, uh, a lot of the money that ca came on the bank balance sheets came out of money market mutual funds. Um, and money market mutual funds since uh, 2000, December of 2008 have ha not been able to pay a very high return because of where short-term interest rates are. And short-term interest rates are starting to gradually move up. It's only a matter of time that the vanguards of the world and the fidelities are going to start to become competitive uh, with, with banks. Um, when that happens, what an examiner is concerned about is, what are you going to start to do if your customers in mass start to switch back into the money funds? Uh, you're going to have to try to defend your deposits, and you don't have the liquidity to do it. Uh, the other issue and the other backup would be wholesale funding, but there's a lot of wholesale funding going on. Uh, a lot of these banks are hesitant, and we'll discuss this in a few minutes, they're hesitant to, to use deposit strategies. So what they're doing is they're getting on the phone, they're calling their home loan bank, or they're, they're in the brokered CD market. Uh, so this is why there's a concern on the, on the part of examiners. Uh, we, we're at a point in the cycle where you don't want to see liquidity get too tight, and that's exactly what's happening. Thanks, Jim. So continuing with the theme of short-term interest rates, <clears throat> what's your outlook for uh, short-term interest rates moving forward? Uh, if you look at the current forecasts, and I look at forecasts uh, uh, from a two or three broker-dealers, uh, but I also look at the Chicago futures market, the Fed Funds futures market, to see where the traders, what the traders are betting in terms of short rates. Uh, until about a month ago, uh, we were expected to see another change in, in 2017, uh, with rates going from 125, the Fed funds rate going 125 to 150. Um, that, that seems to be off the table at the moment, uh, the, the December change. It looked like it was going to be December, if you're watching forecasts, or the futures market. Uh, it's, it, it looks like it's off the table um, at the moment, as I look, look at the, uh, the forecasts out there. Thanks, Jim. <clears throat> so continuing along the lines of uh, interest rates and, and, what, and predicting the future, uh, what is your prediction for Fed rate movements over the next six months and also the next 12 months? The, the best uh, evidence to look at is uh, go back to uh, November of, um, of 2016 and look at what happened pre-election to post-election. Uh, on, on the 7th of November, the 10-year Treasury was 177. At the end of the year, the 10-year Treasury is pushing about 258. Now, that is a dramatic change. Uh, I mean, that's about a 49% change, which is an incredible change in the bond market. You know, why, why do you get a change like that? You get a change like that in the bond market because the bond market is predicated on, on inflation. I mean, you give me some hint of inflation and we're going to move the bond market. Uh, the other is economic growth. And as you come out of the, the day after that election, there was a lot of optimism that we're going to see economic growth. We're going to see roads and bridges. We're going to see a tax cut. And that's what drove the bond market. And that's what started to drive Yellen uh, and the Fed, because they're starting to see in the first quarter, they're starting to see a pickup in inflation. 
uh, they're starting to get what they want. They want about two to two and a half in core, core, inflate, core CPI, which is the CPI without energy and food, uh, and they're getting it in the first quarter of this year. And then all of a sudden, it's gone the other way. Uh, if you're watching the last couple months, as we come into the summer of, uh, of 6, 17, uh, inflation numbers just aren't there. Um, the, uh, until we can get some inflation or we can get some hint of economic growth, and if we get a hint of economic growth, we'll get a hint of inflation. I mean, that'll happen. Then we'll be back on, on track to see movements. But right now, it looks like, uh, I'm, I'm still not sure. We may see one in December. They, they've set a... They've set a path up, and I'm not so sure they want to uh, go back and, uh, on, on, their, on their path, uh, what they had set up. So we may still see something in December. But uh, next year, we were, the outlook was about 75 basis points. Right now, that's not the outlook. The outlook right now is about 50 basis points. So you need some inflation. We're starting to get wage inflation, uh, and if this unemployment rate continues to drop, it's 4.3 now, let it go to 4.1, you're going to get wage inflation. We need some commodity inflation, and we're getting it. Uh, check the Wall Street Journal, uh, August uh, 24, uh, and you'll see the, the lead article in the journal is the world economy is starting to grow uh, at, at rates above 3%, even as the U.S. grows less than 3%. If the world economy grows above 3%, you're going to see commodity prices, you're going to see copper, you're going to see oil prices move. Give, give me that plus some wage inflation, and, and we'll get in back to where Yellen wants to be, and we'll see rates move in, in, seven, in 18. At the moment, though, it's a, it's a tough call. Yeah, thanks, Jim. <clears throat> Certainly a complex issue. Uh, a little earlier, you had mentioned <clears throat> banks using wholesale solutions to manage your liquidity, and I wanted to come back to that for a minute. Um, in your opinion, why don't banks depend more on retail deposits versus these wholesale solutions? If you look at the trend on bank balance sheets uh, after the crisis, you'd see something. Not only was that there the surge we talked about, but another there's another trend. Money has gone from certificates of deposit to pools of money, um, and those pools of money are basically savings savings accounts and. MMDA, money market deposit accounts. So now what you have is, uh, and there are peer groups, especially the large thrift peer groups, where you've gone from uh, 49% uh, certificates in 208 down to about 30% today in certificates. Uh, so they built tremendous pools uh, of savings in MMDA. Okay, so now I have to try to use retail deposits. Uh, well, there's no way in the world that I'm going to touch one of those pools because I'm getting some loan demand, I need some funding for my assets for these loans. Uh, but think about it, if you're a billion dollar bank and you have a $200 million pool of savings and I need 10 million to fund the, the, uh, the loan pipeline, if I raise the rate 20, 30 basis points on, on $200 million, the marginal cost of financing those loans, that 10 million in loans, is just off the charts. So nobody will do it. Um, also, on the, on the CD side, which is the logical place to go if you don't want to use pools, there's, no, there's nobody being aggressive out there. Uh, here and there in a market area, you'll see maybe a credit union or you'll, or you'll, you'll see a community bank that has a high loan to asset ratio uh, pricing up on CDs. But, but you don't see much of this. And the big thing is pull uh, the rate data in any market and you'll notice something. 
The lowest payers in the market are B of A, Chase, uh, Wells Fargo. It's all the big banks. They are not competing. Um, and in my opinion, they won't compete. Uh, they're not concerned with community banks or credit unions. They'll never compete until they're forced to compete by Fidelity and Vanguard, the big money funds, who will influence institutional investors, will influence trust departments at banks, and you'll have to start competing. So right now, there's just no pressure in the markets to go retail. So I don't want to be the aggressive player in my market. So what I do is I get on the phone and I call the home loan bank. It's a heck of a lot easier. Or you've seen a lot of people using brokered CDs. Um, that's a concern of examiners uh, because what you're doing is you're building wholesale money. And you're not, you're not laddering the money out on the curve. Most of the people are not laddering because it's re still relatively cheap to go overnight. So you see a lot of short-term advances and a lot of short-term CDs. Well, what happens if we start to get a, a more aggressive movement by the Fed? If she starts moving rates in 18, 100 basis points, uh, then these people are in trouble. Uh, that money's going to reprice real quickly. And, and that's, that's a major concern of examiners. And, and it should be a major concern of more uh, bank financial officers, the, the trends that we're seeing. And these are obvious trends you can see in, in almost every peer group.